Hello everyone, I'm Christopher Linfont, and welcome to Nest Talk, the most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the entire internet. Today is uh, December 19th, 2018. This is being recorded at approximately 4.54 in the afternoon. Um, a quick PSA, there are some technical difficulties today, so we will not have the full video on YouTube of this of this podcast, but we will have the audio uploaded to YouTube as well as iTunes uh, as normal. So today, I do want to start off, as we always do, with the game recap. Um, the Ravens played the Buccaneers this past weekend. Obviously, it was a, it was a very close game. Well, not a very close game, but it was a close game scoreboard-wise. Uh, but breaking it down, we kind of see that it wasn't as close as it kind of looked like. So the Ravens started off pretty slowly in the first half of the game, but came alive in the second half. So what I mean by that is they kind of struggled, especially offensively, in the first half. Tampa was able to take the lead. Baltimore barely took the lead with a field goal for a one-point lead right before halftime. Uh, they only were able to take that lead because Tampa Bay muffed on a point after um, earlier in the game, which gave them the one point, you know, the missing one point because they got a touchdown and a field goal. The Ravens got a touchdown and a field goal, but the Ravens made their point after, which the Buccaneers were not able to because the holder muffed the, the long snap. So... Ravens get off to a slow start. They come alive in the second half. They get, they hold the Buccaneers to only three points in the second half, and the Ravens score an additional ten points. The final score is twenty to twelve. Um, you know, some some key players I think in this game. Obviously, quarterback Lamar Jackson. He's still struggling at the quarterback position. He's a rookie. Um, he's going to make a lot of mistakes, especially in the rain. Though he looked pretty bad. I think in the first half was probably his worst performance as a Raven. Maybe even, you know, his worst performance in college and NFL combined. Uh, he was very bad. And he was missing uh, wide open receivers. He missed John Brown on one one pass. That would have been a perfect first down right behind him. Another pass uh, just off the top of my head here. He hit, misses Mark Andrews on a deep route. That probably would have been a touchdown. He had beaten the, the cornerback covering him. Uh, you know, he beat him on the speed. Was able to get deep, but... Uh, the the problem was Mark Andrews had to dive backwards for the ball. Couldn't even get it with the cornerback right there. It hit his back. Not a great play by Lamar Jackson. He struggled mightily in the first half. But the second half, like the Ravens offense, as you know, it'll do what Lamar Jackson basically is going to do. He bettered. Um, he looked much better. Uh, he threw some more accurate balls. He ran the ball better. Uh, overall, just a better performance from Lamar Jackson in the second half. He finishes the game uh, 14 for 23, 131 yards. That's an average of four. I'm sorry, 5.7 yards uh, per attempt, per passing attempt. He also scores a touchdown through the air. Uh, I believe that went to Chris Moore on the the end around play. For some reason, they're going to call that. I think because he tossed it forward to him uh, on the end around. You know, it should really be a run by Chris Moore, but they're going to call it a, a a pass to Chris Moore. You know, barely. It doesn't really matter. Um, but Lamar Jackson also had one fumble. Tough to blame him for the fumble because the snap was high. Uh, it was a bit strange for Lamar Jackson. It looked like a bad exchange from where I was, but it looked on further review like it, the snap was kind of off. Uh, but he did fumble the ball, and I think the Buccaneers recovered that. He also did throw in the first half what should have been an interception. went right into the hands of the Buccaneers defender. Uh, luckily, whether it was because he wasn't focused or maybe just because it was raining, he couldn't hang on to the ball, and the Buccaneers ended up not getting the turnover, which is a huge benefit for the Ravens because Lamar Jackson simply should not have thrown the ball at all to where this guy was, and he almost picked it off, but the Ravens survive uh, another day to live another day based on that drop. Now, Gus Edwards, obviously, he 
He's going to be the leading rusher again this week with 19 rushes for 104 yards. That's an average of 5.5 carries. He was entering, I think, the last drive with like 57 yards on the ground, and they started feeding him there. So a lot of these stats are blown up in garbage time, just running at the clock. But still, I mean, the fact that the Buccaneers could not stop him, only down one possession, shows how dominant Gus Edwards has been. Uh, you know, he also got a touchdown in the game. He's a phenomenal player for the Ravens right now. I don't know if he'll be around next year or if he'll be able to do what he's doing right now next year. But right now, it's working for the Ravens with Gus Edwards going up the middle, gaining those yards, fighting for those extra yards. He's doing well on the ground. and He'll continue to be the the MVP on the ground for the Ravens. Well, you know, running back because Lamar Jackson, he had a very good day on the ground as well. Lamar Jackson, um, obviously, he's a dynamic runner. He's going to hit the outside. He's going to do a whole lot for you. Um, in the running department, uh, rushing-wise, for the Ravens on Sunday, uh, Lamar Jackson ran 18 times for 95 yards, as long as it was 22 yards. Uh, he was over 100 yards at one point, but he did uh, run backwards, getting sacked. Um, and since he ran backwards, that counts towards his um, his final rushing statistics. Also did those kneel downs at the end, which you know count off a yard every time. So he did finish under 100 yards, although he did garner over 100 yards at one point. Um, Kenneth Dixon also had a very nice day, 11 rushes for 48 yards, um, that's an average of over 4.2, uh, I think, yeah, 4.2 average, uh, rushing yards per attempt, his longest on the day was 17, so the Ravens' rushing attack continues to be the sole engine, um, that is giving this Ravens, uh, offense a, a big leg up on some of the, 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 um, weak defenses they've been playing, um, but through the air, I think Lamar Jackson has done a better job recently than he has in the past. And, you know, you can see that with some of these receivers. Um, so Willie Sneed, obviously, is his favorite receiver. And we're going to talk about him a little later in the show. But Willie Sneed on Sunday, he had five receptions for 58 yards, 11.6 yard per average uh, reception. A great day by Willie Sneed. You know, he's going to hit the slot. He's going to be in the slot. He's going to hit those routes. He's going to get the ball, and he's going to fight for extra yards, and that's exactly what he's doing. He pairs well with Jackson, and we'll talk about that later on. But Hayden Hurst also had a good day. Three receptions for 20 yards, uh, 6.7 average per uh, reception. This is really his biggest game so far, I would say. Three receptions. Hayden Hurst has been a disappointment in the receiving department as a tight end for and as a blocker, frankly. I don't think he's done very well. But, you know, Hayden Hurst, this is really him coming out now. He's got to get going here. He's, you know, we don't want to see another first-round bust, especially not at the tight end position. Hayden Hurst, you know, he big-time player. They want him to do big-time things. Hopefully, he can pair well with Lamar Jackson. Um, but, you know, right now, this is his best performance this year. Only a three receptions for 20 yards. Hopefully, he can get better as we head into the playoffs. And we'll talk about the Ravens' playoff positioning later in the show as well. But I do still want to talk about the defense that played phenomenally well against the, the Buccaneers. So first off, C.J. Mosley had eight total tackles and a half a sack. He split the sack with Patrick Nwaso, who had two total tackles as well. Uh, the Ravens were doing well um, throughout. They stopped rushing yards and passing yards by the Buccaneers. And this is a Buccaneers offense that is no, was entering the week number one in total yards per game. They only got 156 yards to the air and 85 yards on the ground. They averaged over 400. I think it was 477 entering this week um, yards per game, and they don't get anywhere near that. They get barely over 200. So phenomenal, phenomenal um, performance by the Ravens' defense. Again, the Ravens won time of possession by uh, 30, a margin of 37 minutes and 10 seconds to 22 minutes and 50 seconds. Um, 
And the Ravens, the one thing they really didn't win here is the turnovers lost. Uh, they produced two turnovers, while the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers only gave up one um, turnover. Uh, but another place you can see the defensive um, the defensive dominance is in the third third down percentage. The Ravens uh, pretty steady with a 56.25% third down conversion rate. The Buccaneers only convert 30% of all their third downs. So not a great rate. That's how you get them stopped. You get those three and outs. You get those you know third third down stops. You get the ball back and you keep your offense on the field with that time of possession. That's a winning formula that the Ravens have been using. Um, of course, they don't have to win the time of possession to win. The defense doesn't rely on the time of possession, but the defense, uh, you know, will have the, every time the defense stops the opposing offense. When the offense is controlling the ball, it's just going to add to the victory um, effort because the uh, the opposing offense just isn't going to get the ball a whole lot if the defense is playing well. So that is a, that's a um, a great performance by the defense this week. I think that not only the defense's MVP, but the entire game's MVP was Marlon Humphrey. Uh, Humphrey had two tackles, four pass deflections, and an interception on the day. Played phenomenally well. Um, did did very well for the Ravens here. He's done well for the Ravens all season, but he did not make the Pro Bowl. Now, I do want to talk about the Pro Bowl rosters as we segue into the next section here. Um, looking at the Pro Bowl rosters that came out, there are three Ravens that are in. And I think three that had a case, um, but ultimately we'll discuss maybe they were snubbed, maybe they weren't snubbed. So before we get to that, I want to talk about the three that made it in, Marshall Yonda, Eric Weddle, and C.J. Mosley. So right guard, safety, and uh, middle linebacker respectively. All three great at their position, um, some of the best players in the NFL, and I'm happy that they all got in. I think they all deserved it this year. Weddle is on a downward trend at this point in point in the season, but I think his whole body of work this season has been pretty good. Giannis having a phenomenal season, and C.J. Mosley, again, you know, one of the leaders um, in the NFL at the middle linebacker position. Um, just a great overall year by all these players, I think, and they all deserve to go to the Pro Bowl. But now, um, do the Ravens have three people who are snubbed? Um, the first one I want to talk about, since we mentioned him already, is Marlon Humphrey. Marlon Humphrey's had a breakout year. He's done very well, especially in the previous few games, um, minus the Chiefs game, of course, when he was somewhat injured in that game. But he's played, went healthy, phenomenally well, but he did not make the Pro Bowl this year. I think um, next year he'll probably be in the Pro Bowl if his development continues this way because it is outstanding so far. I would say that Marlon Humphrey wasn't snubbed this year just because I don't think he had the full body of work this year to be really be recognized. He's still young and he can get in, um, but he, he was probably on the verge. I think he may have been able to get in if he had a little bit better of a, of a uh, beginning be, uh, you know beginning of the season, starting the season out. Um, Ronnie Stanley is, is a Pro Bowl alternate. He's the second alternate at the left tackle position. Uh, I don't think Ronnie Stanley was snubbed. I think I actually was surprised that Ronnie Stanley would even make it into the Pro Bowl alternate list, um, but he did, and I think that you know he he played a good season. Uh, he played well this season, but I don't think it was Pro Bowl caliber, so I don't think he got snubbed. But the player who definitely got snubbed was Justin Tucker. Tucker obviously had a, another phenomenal year. Only one point after he missed, which you know will be infamous to the day he retires. Uh, that was, of course, against the Saints, and it would have been a game-tying point after with barely any time left. He couldn't, you know, the wind took it or he muffed it. I don't know exactly what happened, but it happened. Um, but I do think Tucker deserved to go to... Um, he want, he deserved to go to the Pro Bowl this year. He hasn't he hasn't done it since 2016. I'm not really sure why he didn't get in this year, um, 
but I think he was snubbed. So this is the one player I think was snubbed from the Ravens. I think everybody else kind of deserved not to be in it this year. You know, hopefully they get in uh, next year. I think Stanley and Humphrey both have a great opportunity next year to get in. But Justin Tucker, I think, deserved it probably more than any other Raven this year. Maybe not Yonda, but, um, you know, he deserved it a lot this year. And, you know, he wasn't put in by the votes from the fans, coaches, or players, which is very surprising. I thought he would get in. Um, so the Pro Bowl will be um, this January. Um, to be specific, it will be in Orlando, broadcasted on ESPN um, at 3 o'clock on, I believe it is January 27th. Um, at 3 o'clock, yeah, January 27th, 2019, at the Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida, broadcasted live on ESPN at 3 p.m., so you can watch that um, then. Okay, so I do want to segue into um, talking about a couple offensive players uh, and what they mean to the offense, uh, and I first want to touch on Lamar Jackson and his improvement. Um, you know, this is a topic that's going to be discussed a lot for the Ravens, um, you know, by, by fans, uh, people in the media, how is Lamar Jackson improving? How is he developing as a quarterback? Will he be able to lead this team in the future? Uh, I think a jury's still out on the latter question, but the former question, I think we can kind of get to see an answer here now that he's been in the starting, starting position since November. Uh, it's now towards the end of the season here in December. He had, he's had a slow progression, I would say. He's been progressing, but it's been pretty slow. He still has yet to hit over 200 yards passing. Um, he still looks sloppy throwing the ball at times. Wobbly passes are coming out. Doesn't have a great grip all the time, especially in the rain. He didn't do very well. Um, not a great decision maker so far. He's got to improve on these um, features. Maybe the experience playing the game will do it. Maybe additional time uh, in OTAs, in training camp, maybe that'll do it. But we'll have to see how it can progress uh, from year one to year two. But right now, I'm not super confident in the way he's progressing. I don't think he's progressing at a fast enough rate. Um, yes, he is a rookie, but he's been here, you know, since being drafted in April now. Uh, he's got to get these um, basics down, to, you know, to do well at the quarterback position in the NFL. Because if he keeps running the ball, he's going to get hurt. No matter what you want to talk about, you know, saying, oh, he's not hurt yet. He's going to be fine. He's durable. Maybe he is durable, but the amount of hits he's taking is, is absolutely absurd. He's not even sliding all the time. I think he needs to take more slides in the game against the Buccaneers. He was not sliding all the time, and I, that worried me. He didn't get out of bounds a lot. He, a couple of plays he went head first into receiver, um, sorry, defenders. That worries me a lot. He's going to get hurt that way. Just ask RG3 how running all the time into defenders actually helps your career. It certainly doesn't, and I don't think you know there's really any you know downside to sliding. Maybe, you know, well, I would encourage in situations where the game is on the line or big games, if he wants to go head first and get an extra yard for a first down or a touchdown, I'm all for it. But when you've already got the first down or you're not getting a first down or, you know, you're not moving the chains at all or scoring and you're just going to fight for like an extra yard by going head first into a guy, just take the slide. You know, just take the slide. If it's not possible, you're going to get a first down or a touchdown. Just take the slide or go out of bounds. Preserve yourself. Don't endanger yourself. His, I think his frame, you know, I'm no expert on this, but his frame, he's not too, he's not short, but he's not huge, right? I'm, I am afraid he could get injured, and I don't want to see that at all for Lamar Jackson. I think he's a stand-up guy, and I think he's got a lot of potential. I don't want to see his NFL career ruined, so I really hope the coaches and, you know, RG3 can intervene and say, look, you got to slide more. You've got to progress this way. You've got to, you know, become more aware of the wear and tear, really, that you're going to get if you keep... Uh, playing this way. 
Um, again, he, in the first half against the Buccaneers, I thought it was a bad performance. Second half, he got in rhythm, was a mediocre, not mediocre, probably an average performance for Lamar Jackson in the second half. He missed a lot of throws, you know, one to John Brown, one to Mark Andrews, as we already discussed. Um, he's going to need a much faster start against the Chargers to win the game. I don't think that's, there's any question about that. If he lingers around in the first half like he did to, with, the, with, the, with the Buccaneers to the Chargers, uh, it's not going to be a pretty ending for that game. The Chargers will absolutely take advantage. I don't think the defense will be able to stop Phillip Rivers moving the ball downfield. I mean, this is a very good Chargers team, and we're going to have to see how, how the defense can react to it, but it is going to depend a lot on how Lamar Jackson performs. He's got to be a better quarterback. He's got to, you know get some better throws in, and he's got to make better decisions, get down, not risk himself, because this is a, a Chargers team that knows what they're doing. They're one of the best teams in the league, and they're going to give this Ravens offense fits, I think, uh, coming up this Saturday. But we'll talk about that when we get to that point later in the week. And, of course, we've got our three key matchups against the Chargers uh, to, to close out this podcast. But we're not there yet. I still want to talk a little bit more about Willie Sneed and his value that he brings to this offense. Willie Sneed obviously comes over uh, after being a restricted free agent out of New Orleans this year, and he's been phenomenal for this offense. He's a great slot receiver. He's a fighter. He's gritty. He's going to fight for those extra yards. He's going to be the guy you need to get the job done in in the situations. Short yardage, long yardage, whatever, he's going to get the job done. And the connection with Jackson is very real. You know, he did well with Flacco. Um, but I think with Jackson, he's Jackson's obvious number one receiver. He's always looking for Snead because Snead matches up well with what Lamar Jackson can do, right? Lamar Jackson can very well. This is his best passing ability is hitting those short yard passes in stride sometimes. Not all the time, but just, you know, when he's when he's ready, to, not when he's ready to, but when he's got the composure, when he's staring down a receiver, when he's, you know, in the proper position, he can hit the receiver in stride who's going to make those who's going to take those short yardages, those five, six-yard passes into eight to 10 to 15 to 20 yards. He can go, and that's what Willie Sneed does very effectively, and that's why I think that he pairs up well with Lamar Jackson. I think moving forward with Lamar Jackson, we should see a lot more of Sneed. He's going to be Lamar Jackson's number one receiver, not only the end of this year, but into next year, uh, as long as these two players stick around. Obviously, they're both on contract for next year, and I don't foresee any of them being cut. So I think this will be this will continue to be the the matchup that we have here from Lamar Jackson to Willie Sneed. This will be the dynamic duo moving forward in the Ravens passing attack. Um, so finally, before we talk about our three key matchups against the Chargers, I want to talk a little bit about the playoffs for the Ravens. What this where they stand? Will they make the playoffs? Will they not make the playoffs? They didn't get any help this past week. They I think they are actually hurt more than they were helped. Um, this past week. So obviously they beat the Buccaneers. They get into eight and six. They were here last year. They were here the year before. Um, will it be different instead of the Ravens collapsing late in the season not to make the playoffs? Will they finally make the playoffs? The best bet to do that is they have to win out. And here's why. The Steelers beat the Patriots, right? The Steelers would have to win one more game to clinch the AFC North at this point, as far as to my knowledge. Um, maybe well, they have to win one more, and the Ravens have to lose one. If they, if the Steelers win out, they clinch. But if the Ravens lose one, and the Steelers win out, um, or the, the Steelers win one, the Ravens win out, or the Steelers win out, they're in the AFC North. That's it. They lock it down. They're in the playoffs. The Ravens have to win out to ensure that they can still win the AFC North. They have to win out to make sure they can still get the wild card, too. 
because the Colts and Titans just won. They're they're both at eight and six, uh, and they both play each other at the end of the year. Now here's why that's bad. Let's say the Colts now, right? The Indianapolis Colts they win their game coming up um, this week, and let's say the Titans win their game too. So now both of them are at nine and seven, right? So the Tennessee Titans they're playing the Washington Redskins. Um, that's a very winnable game for Tennessee. Washington has completely collapsed since the loss of Alex Smith, the quarterback. And Indianapolis, they play the New York Giants, who are now out officially of the playoff race. They're gone. Um, let's assume that these two teams win. Now you have a situation where they're both at nine wins, and the Ravens have to get to nine wins. So they have to beat at least one team coming up, Los Angeles or Cleveland. For the sake of argument, we're going to say they lose to Los Angeles and they win Cleveland. That's the most likely outcome, I think, towards the end of the season now, right? So that happens. And Tennessee beats Washington, right? The problem now becomes Indianapolis and Tennessee play each other at the end of the year. So now you have a situation where both teams are at nine wins, and let's say the Ravens lose to the Chargers, right? Then how is Baltimore going to make the wild card? If, if the Tennessee Titans beat Indianapolis, they're 10-6, and six, they get in over Baltimore. And if the Colts beat the Tennessee Titans, they're 10-6, and six, and they get in over Baltimore. So one of these teams either has to lose and then beat the other team, or Baltimore's going to have to win out. Or both these teams can lose both their upcoming games, and Baltimore still wins out. It's going to be very difficult, I think, to make the playoffs if the Ravens don't win against the Los Angeles Chargers this Saturday. I think the, the battle is very uphill at that point, and I don't really know if they'll be able to do it. Originally, going into this past week, I thought they would be able to win, but based on what happened, I thought the, I thought for sure that the Steelers were going to lose to um, the Patriots. You know, I that was a gimme to me because the Steelers always have problems against the Patriots. I thought for sure that was going to happen. I thought the New York Giants were actually going to beat the Tennessee Titans, um, you know, hang on by a playoff threat. I thought, you know what Eli's been doing recently with that team, they were going to be able to pull it out. Uh, they didn't. They were not able to help us at all. And I thought Dallas was going to be Indianapolis. Dallas is a team on the rise heading into the playoffs, but Indianapolis shut them out, beat them 23-0. to um, So no help across the board. The only help we really got was Minnesota beating Miami, effectively putting them out of the playoff reach. But what's that really going to do while these other two more threatening teams are, are breathing down your neck here? Uh, 538 currently has the Ravens' playoff chances before any of the games are called for this upcoming week at 41% to uh, make the playoffs as either a wild card or division. Um, if the Ravens lose to the Chargers, it just drops to 18%, and the Ravens are in a very precarious situation at that point. Um, but what will it take for the Ravens to beat the Chargers, you might ask? And, uh, well, I think I have the answer for you in three key matchups to close out our um, episode 22 of Nest Talk here. Can you believe that it's already been 22 episodes of Nest Talk, uh, each one one week from each other, 22 weeks of this? Anyway, um, there's three key matchups I think the Ravens have to win. They have to have these three things, ha these three uh, matchups go in their favor in order to beat the, 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 the Chargers. We'll talk a little bit more about game scheme-wise in our preview and predictions article that will come out um, this Saturday before the game. So what's got to happen? Um, well, first off, the front seven, the defensive front seven, so that's defensive line. Brandon Williams, Michael Pierce, uh, you know, Brent Urban, you know, those kind of guys up in the front. You got 
uh, Terrell Suggs and the linebackers, you know, outside linebackers in Terrell Suggs, Matt Judon, maybe Tim Williams if he plays, um, you know, Zadarius Smith, and then of course the inside inside guys like C.J. Mosley, Kenny Young, Patrick Onwaso. They, the front seven, have to stop Melvin Gordon. He's coming back from an injury. He was a full participant in Tuesday's practice. He's probably going to play. He is a dynamic running back who gets the job done on the ground and doesn't look back. The Ravens absolutely need to stop Melvin Gordon from pummeling them on, on, on offense. Um, the, the Chargers offense pummeling the Ravens defense. It's going to happen unless these, these guys can step step up. Obviously, Michael Pierce and Brandon Williams have to stuff the point of attack. C.J. Mosley, Patrick Onwaso, Kenny Young, they've got to be reactionary. And if anything goes on the outside, you got to have Terrell Suggs, Zedaria Smith, Matt Judon, Tim Williams if he's in. they all got to step up and watch those outside runs. Get him down and make sure he can't beat you on the ground. Because if he can beat you on the ground, Rivers is going to beat you in the air. There's no question about that. I think that Rivers is going to not light up the defense, but he's going to have a better time, a much better time, than Jameis Winston had. I think he's going to be more along the lines of what Mahomes did. Struggled at times, but still pumped out effective um, effective plays, garnered those yards, maybe not score a whole lot of points, but they're going to do well. And that's why I think Don Martindale has to beat out Phillip Rivers in the mind game. He's, I mean, it's going to be very, very tough to confuse a veteran quarterback, but he's got to do everything he can to make sure Phillip Rivers has no idea what's coming towards him because Phillip Rivers is going to be able to read the defense, and if it's predictable, he's going to know what's going to happen. Um, Don Martindale, he's got to make sure he can get these these formations out there that's going to not show exactly what's going on, make Phillip Rivers kind of uncomfortable, put some blitzes on him. He's got to pressure him. He's got to make sure he you know feels uncomfortable. I know he's a veteran quarterback, and he's probably still going to light up this defense, but if the Ravens want to make any sort of plays, Martindale has to put his you know defense in a position to, to make Phillip Rivers uncomfortable, get turnovers, get the ball back, give it to the offense, and score. That's what's got to happen on the defensive side of the ball. And finally, in the third and final matchup, it's actually going to be a little bit different than normal. I'm going to say Keenan Allen versus his hip. Keenan Allen is coming off of a hip injury. Um, I'm not sure if he's practiced yet. I don't think he has, but he, if he does, I think he has a good chance to play um, this Saturday. Not really sure if he will or if he won't, but if he doesn't, I think the Ravens have a better chance of winning. Obviously, he's Philip Rivers' favorite target, and if he does, I think Philip Rivers will have a much easier time against this Ravens defense. I won't give the full um, my full predictions till preview and predictions this Saturday it comes out. But I do think that the Chargers will be a very difficult matchup for the Ravens. I think they're a much better team than anybody they've played recently. They've even beaten the Chiefs recently, the Chargers have. So it's going to be very difficult for the Ravens to beat them in Los Angeles. Um, I know the StubHub Center is typically not filled, but it still could be an issue out there. Okay, so that'll wrap up today's episode. You can find Nest Talk at Nest Talk on Twitter or just search Nest Talk up on Facebook. You can find the Baltimore Feather at Be More Feather, search Baltimore Feather up on Facebook, or just go to BaltimoreFeather.com for the latest articles published and written by me, Christopher Linfont. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Linfont. I am now signing out. Um, by the time the next episode comes out, it will already be Christmas. Um, the next episode is scheduled for December 26th. I might move that just on account of it being Christmas the day before, you know, it's a holiday, I, you know, it, it's going to be difficult to get everything in, so I might move that over to Thursday instead of Wednesday, but I will keep you all posted on the Nest Talk Twitter and at Baltimore Feather on Twitter. You can find out if there's any information scheduling changes there. Um, so I'm Chris Linfont signing out. Have a Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy Holidays. 
and we'll see you after the holidays as we recap the Chargers and Ravens game coming up this Saturday, December 22nd.